Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good. Well, thank you so much for being here uh, for this special family worship here this holiday weekend. Um, today, we're going to be getting back into the family worship series, Incredible, uh, Ordinary Children Called to Extraordinary Faith. And it's going to be a, a, a good look at uh, the faith of children and the faith of what we should hope to be. And so today I want to begin with a story as we open up here today. And this story, it takes place several years ago. Uh, there was this little elementary school boy, uh, and it was an early spring, uh, late, uh, late spring, early summer day. The birds were chirping. There's dew in the grass. He gets up because he knows he's going to have to do some chores for his family. And he, he, he goes outside. His family's already working in the field uh, to plant the, the crops for the year. And this little boy, he went over to the barn, takes care of all of the animals, and he sees that it's going to be this beautiful day. So he goes out, takes the sheep out into the field, and he sits down under a tree to watch the flock. And as he's watching this flock and enjoying the day, uh, he notices over the hill that there's something coming up the hill towards the sheep. And so this little boy, he, he crouches low behind the tree, and he sees this big brown bear slowly approaching the sheep. And now the little boy, he's like, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. And so he begins to prepare himself. And so as this bear is slowly walking up the path, he's looking for its next meal, and it sees a few of the sheep that are straying a little farther from the, from the herd there, from the flock, and it thinks to itself, you know, I, I, that's an easy meal. I'll go for that. And, and then as all animals somehow know how to do, they, they get this sense that something is watching them. And so the bear is looking around, and he hears this whirling, and then it hits him. Quite literally, a stone flies out of the air, hits the bear right between the eyes, and the bear falls. And the little boy stands up from behind the tree. He goes, he goes over to the bear and says a quick prayer of thanks and uh, thanks to God and for delivering him from this circumstance, just like last week when the little boy had to deal with the lion that tried to do the same thing. And so as he's looking over this bear that had just fallen to the ground, uh, one of his father's workers comes running up out of the field. He, he says, hey, you need to get back. Your father is looking for you. There's a man wanting to talk with you. And the little boy, who is the smallest of his family, is, is like, well, why would someone want to talk with me? I, I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm just in elementary school. But he makes his way home. And the little boy sees his father talking with this unfamiliar person, and he also sees all of his brothers and his family standing there just with curiosity on their faces. And he doesn't know what to expect, so he walks up to this, this man and his father, and this man asks his father, is, is, this the, is this him? And his father confirms, yes, it is. And so the, the man, he looks the little boy up and down, and he's quiet for a few moments, and then he, he looks at the boy and says, David, God has called you for a great purpose. He sees your heart and sees that you have great faith. So come be anointed today. And the prophet Samuel unclasps his horn of oil and anoints David as the next king of Israel. And I'm sure that as I'm telling this story, you kind of pieced it together uh, that this was going to be about David. And when we, we look at this, these, these, these items that I talked about, these are events that happened in David's life. Him killing a sheep, him, er, not killing a sheep, hopefully not, him killing the bear, him killing the lion, and then eventually 1 Samuel 16 when he is anointed by the prophet Samuel. These are experiences that David went through in order to, uh, for God to work on his life, to prepare him for the work that God would soon place in front of him. And his story begins with this anointing, with Samuel coming and, and anointing him as the next king. It's the start of his incredible journey in life. And we know David as one of the most central characters of all of the Bible, we, we know that he was this great warrior, the commander of the armies of Israel. We know him as an amazing musician, a wonderful poet, 
who wrote a bunch of the Psalms, and he, he, we see how he uh, uses music to soothe King Saul in his life. And we see that he is also an amazing king, and in fact, he sets the standard for all the future kings that are to come in Israel. He is the standard for that. And most of all, we probably know David as the man after God's own heart because of what he was able to do in his life. But today, we're going to look at a story from David's life that, that is from his childhood, about when he was in eighth grade, about that time. And it's a story of his first steps of accomplishing the plan that God had set before him. It's a story from when David was merely a servant and a shepherd boy. It's a story of incredible faith, and it's one that we are probably all familiar with to some extent. It's the story of David and a very large man named Goliath. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a moment to pray here today. Father God, we just come before you today and we thank you for being able to gather and worship together in your name. And I ask that as we are about to walk through your word, that it would be your words and your truths that are spoken here today. And Father, I pray that if there's anything that would hinder the speaking of your truth today, Lord, I pray that you would pardon me, pardon the hearts of the, those in the, in the congregation, those on live stream, Lord, that you, your words might be able to speak to us and to change our hearts today. And so, Father, uh, I pray that, that we do not forget who you are. Thank you for doing what we could not do, Jesus, for dying on the cross in our place. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, and I pray that you would lead us to the heart of Jesus in all things, Lord. Allow us to have ears to hear, eyes that can see, and hearts to receive your truth today. Guide our conversation through the word. And I ask this in your most gracious and your most holy name. Amen. So as we are starting here today, like I said, it's a family worship service here today, and we're going to do things a little different. Uh, you saw the worship team moving all of the, the stuff back. You'll see why here in a moment. Um, but I'm going to need a few, of my, a few of the kids out here to, to give me a hand up front. Uh, so would you, would, would, is there a couple kids that would like to come up and uh, help act out uh, what we're going to be doing here today? I would like to, like to have a few of you come on up. I know that there's one in the back. Come on up. You can come on up, bud. If you want to come up, come on up. Come on up, sweetie. All right. And I, I was looking out here. I also need an adult as well. And I, I saw Andrew. I'm going to see. Can I volunteer you? Yeah, can I volunteer you to come up here real quick? Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. All right. Do we have any other kids that would like to come up? Perfect. All right. So... You're going to be our David today. We see Goliath is coming out here. All right, so David, come over here. You're going to be our David today. I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. First, here's your, here's your shepherd's crook. Here's your slingshot. This is not what it looked like back in the day, but our slingshot broke last night as, uh, as we were doing the service. So I'll let you hold this. Uh, let me go ahead and get, oh, here's your stones. Let me throw these out here. We'll, we'll use these later. They're not actual stones. I don't want anybody in the audience getting shot by a slingshot today. So let me go ahead. I'm going to put this on David. Here you go. You're going to be our, our shepherd boy here today. Andrew, you're going to be our King Saul. All right? So I'm going to let you put this on. You're going to, uh, let's see here. I'll just drape it over you here. Put that on. Uh, there we go. Pastor Ben was our King Saul last night. Um, so here you go. Here's your royalty over here. Oh, I can't forget this. Here we go. You need a crown right here. There we go. Now, the rest of you guys, you're going to be our Israelites and our Philistines today, okay? So I'm going to have you two over here. You're going to be with King Saul. You're going to be our Israelite army. And if you want to come on over here, you're, you two are going to come right over here. You're going to be our Philistines. You want to come over here, sweetheart? Come over here. So you're going to be over here. Now, what we're going to do, you want to come on over? Whenever I uh, say the, the name of your specific person or your specific people, what you're going to do is you're going to kind of react to that. So if I say the Philistines are cheering, <laughs> the Philistines are cheering, woo! Now if I say the Israelites are excited, 
perfect. Now, David, you're going to be over here for me. You're not on the stage yet, so I'm going to have you come sit over here. I'm going to put this bowl of fruit right here because you're going to need that here in a little bit too. I know I'm going to make you carry everything. And so what I'm going to do today is I want to read our story for the day from the Jesus Storybook Bible so that we can kind of see and get a sense of what's happening in our story, okay? So let's begin. This is the story of David and Goliath, the young hero and the horrible giant. So God's people, Israel, had some scary enemies. The scariest of them all were the Philistines. Yeah, there you go. And now the Philistines had come to fight the Israelites. The Philistines, though, had a secret weapon called Goliath, this big guy back here. He was a terrifying soldier, and worst of all, he was a giant. He was a giant so tall and so strong that no one could ever be able to fight him up until now. And so there they were, the Philistines, standing on top of one hill, and then we have God's people, Israel, standing on top of the other. And every day, Goliath would come out and shout, send your best soldiers to fight me. If he wins, we will be your slaves, but if I win, you will be our slaves. But no one spoke, and no one moved. And so Goliath bellowed, chickens, your God can't save you. I'll rip you to pieces and have you for toast. And the, his beady and greedy eyes glowed at them, hungrily from under his horrible helmet, as if any minutes he might just gobble them up. And he laughed a terrible laugh, and it boomed loudly across the dry valley. And Goliath might as well have been a green, slimy monster with three heads, because God's people were frozen with fear. What's your best terrified faces? That's not, let me see, your best terrified faces. That's pretty good. <laughs> Their eyes were glazed over. They turned pale. They knew if someone didn't come quickly, if someone didn't do something, they would lose. But God would do something. He would send someone to save them. Now, we remember David. He was the youngest son of Jesse. His brothers were soldiers in the army. And one day, David was bringing his lunch. You want to bring up the lunch to his brothers? Yeah, you're going to have to figure out a way to carry that man. He was carrying lots of stuff. So he's bringing his brothers all of the food. You can set it right in front of his brothers. And he saw Goliath. He saw how scary Goliath was. But David, he shouted, don't be afraid. I'll fight for you. Can you say the, the fall, I'll fight? Hey, we're not to the stones yet now, man. You got to wait here for a moment. I am in the shooting distance here. But he, you say, I will fight for you, right? And so King Saul looked at David and said, you're only a little shepherd boy, and Goliath is a great soldier. How will you fight him? And David said, God will help me. So King Saul took out his royal armor and started putting it on to David. You need to turn around so everybody can see the, the big armor here. Now, does that fit, David? No, it does not fit. It was too heavy and too big for David that he couldn't even move. And so David, he said, I don't need this. And so he took it off of him. He said that God will help me. And instead, David picked up five stones. Now you can pick up the stones. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream. He walked toward Goliath with his slingshot. And he took a shot, or, and Goliath walked up to David. So Goliath is now walking up here. Imagine he's walking. And David says, I'm little, but my God is great. And Goliath laughed his terrible laugh even louder. And he knew in the back of his mind, with one giant swing of his sword, he could take out this boy. But David kept speaking. He says, it isn't how strong you are or how many swords or spears you have that will save you. It is God who saves you. It is God's battle. God always wins his battles. 
So David put a stone in his sling, and he spun it around, but we're going to actually just not swing that guy around. He's, he has some weight to him. And he shoots the stone at Goliath. Sweet. You can try it again. Go ahead. So he shoots the stone at Goliath. Boom! And so Goliath, he gets hit, and Goliath falls down. And the Israelites, they could not believe it. And the Philistines, when they saw that their champion was dead, they ran away so scared and terrified. What's your scared and terrified? And when God's people saw them running away, they cheered and cheered and cheered. God had saved his people. David was a hero. And many years later, God would send another hero to another set of people to fight for them and save them. But this hero would fight the greatest battle that the world has ever known. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Can you give our volunteers a hand here? Thank you all so much. You can go ahead and uh, put all of your stuff in here in this box here. We'll clean that up here later. You guys can go ahead and sit down. I'm going to put Goliath back up here so I don't accidentally trample him. So thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for being a big help. And so sometimes uh, when we're up here and we're reading a story like David and Goliath, it's one of those stories that are considered to be a narrative in the Bible. And what a narrative is, it's, it's, it's not like the instruction that we see in Romans or the poetry that we see in Psalms. A narrative, it's like this story, and, and sometimes the best way that we can see it is if we actually see it acted out. And so having the kids up here and Andrew, who's a kid at heart, I just say thank you guys for doing that for us. But as we jump into our story here today, I want to look at three different people who we saw throughout our story and the faith that they displayed. Because in some way or another, each of the individuals that we saw here had some level of faith. But it depends on what their faith was placed in, right? And so the first person that we're going to look at today is Goliath. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start off for, on verses 4 through 11. Listen to what the word of God says. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his, his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went out before him, and he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up, for me, uh, draw up to battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So there was this guy named Goliath, right? He's massive. He's about, uh, he, the Bible says he's six cubits in a span. What that means in today's American measurements that we have. Uh, he's about nine feet tall, nine and a half feet tall. And uh, Miss Victoria tells me that that is to scale. So he would have been about that tall, probably a little bit bulkier than what Goliath is right there. But Goliath, he's this big guy. And on top of that, he has all this armor. He has these huge weapons. All of those, uh, the armor and the weapons, that would have been about another 200 pounds he was carrying. And he was carrying it like it was nothing. This guy was extremely strong and fit for battle. And, and what, I, what I really want to focus on, though, with Goliath is what he says to the people of Israel. Goliath challenged the people to a trial by combat. And I'm sure that you, you kind of understand what this is. It's when one champion fights another champion, and then the winner would be decided, and that side would be the winner. 
But there's a little bit more to that that we might not uh, always get, right? The reason that the armies would do this trial by combat is because they wanted to mitigate bloodshed. They didn't want all of the people on the one side dying and all of their people dying. They wanted to have it so that, hey, if, if I win, then that whole slide over there, they become our slaves. And that's what they really wanted. They wanted to enslave Israel. That's what the Philistines wanted. And in addition to that, the culture of that time also brought the gods into the mix. And what I mean by that is when one champion would come forward and another champion would come forward, they would pit their gods against each other. So Goliath over here, he has several gods probably that he's behind, most of which probably would have been the, the god Dagon, he, and he was considered the father of the gods, so the big bad guy. And so Goliath, he was ready. He had all of his gods backing him up, and he was trying to pit this, this fight against the Israelites. He, he knew that he had won so many times before, and with his gods behind him, he prepared for the most epic battle that would be to come. And what happens when David comes forward to represent Israel? When we read in verses 41 through 44, this is what Goliath does. And the Philistine moved forward to come near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And Goliath cursed David by the, his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field." When Goliath sees David, he is furious. To send out this little boy carrying a wooden staff, that's an insult to Goliath. He's used to fighting these champions who, who were in armor and had a bunch of weapons. And, and so this is an insult to him. And he makes that known by cursing David and, and saying that, I'm going to kill you so quickly. You see, Goliath had, had great faith that he would quickly dispatch David and move on and conquer Israel. After all, he was undefeated. He was the Philistine champion. No man could possibly stand before him. But his faith was placed on his own abilities, his own accomplishments, and what he knew that he could do. Not on God. And sometimes we can have that same outlook in life, right? That we get so focused on the internal of what I can do, what I, what I know I have done in the past, and we forget to rely on God. I, I know that, that, that hits me pretty hard because I get into those, the, those ruts of saying, you know, I, I, I've done this a million times. I can do it. And I forget to ask God to come with me and help me. And what happens when, when Goliath's faith is placed in the wrong thing, and he even sins against God. He ends up dead. So let's put our faith in Jesus, not ourselves. The second person that I want to look at here in this story is King Saul. All right, we saw King Saul. Andrew, you were a great King Saul. Thank you so much for that. But listen to uh, what King Saul is, is doing in, this, uh, in these verses here. We're going to be in verses 31 through 40. When the words that David spoke were heard, we'll get to what those were, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for David. And David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant is used to, used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him down and delivered it out of his mouth. And if your servant has struck down both lions and bears, sorry, I went to the next verse. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of those. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. He took up his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. So we see in this section that that David is coming before King Saul, right? And to give you some backstory on who Saul is, we know that he's the king of Israel, but how did he get there? Well, if you read earlier in 1 Samuel, we see that Israel was fighting some battles, primarily against the Philistines. We're still fighting the Philistines back then. And, 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 And the Israelites see that there are men leading the Philistines into war, And up until that point, it had been God directing the people and and God doing this, God doing that. But the people, they said, well, we want someone like them. We want a person to lead us that we can see and talk to. And so God, he he allows it to be the case even though he knows that it's going to fail, right? So they look and they, they see this guy named Saul. He was a big guy. He was taller than the average Israelite. And so they, he, basically what happens is he goes and they bring him in. He, he's a warrior. He fights these battles. He, he wins some battles. He's this big guy warrior winning battles, so they make him king. He was anointed. And so enter Saul in this story. He's a big guy. He, he sees and leads his army against the Philistines, and then Goliath comes up, this huge monster of a man. And he's challenging Israel to this trial by combat, right? And who should have been the champion for Israel based on everything that, that we had just said? It should have been King Saul. They, they built him up as this warrior king who would lead them into battle. He was bigger. He was stronger. He was able to go out and fight for the Israelites. But Saul was too scared to face the people, or face uh, the Philistines. He even offers up a reward for the person who would eventually go and and fight Goliath. He would give him a bunch of money. He would allow him to marry uh, his daughter, one of his daughters. He didn't want to have anything to do with Goliath. And then contrast that with David, right? David, he's ready to go. This little eighth grade boy, he's ready to fight the battle for God, to put an end to this outcry of sin against God. But how does Saul respond to that? He reminds David that he's a kid, and he reminds him that, hey, that guy over here, this big guy, he has been training since he was about your size. He knows how to kill people. He's a trained warrior. And Saul, he does make a good point to a certain extent, but what does Saul forget? He forgets God. Now, David, this is contrasting again, you know, he, he begins going into this explanation of his encounters with bears, with lions in the wilderness. And David, he, he knows that he's beaten those foes before. He knows that he can do it again now. And it's not because of anything that he does. It's because he knows that is, it is God who is with him. You see, God brought those trials of the lion, of the bear, that he brought those into David's life in order to prepare him for this massive monster that was to come. And so when the bear and lion attack, David kills them with a slingshot, the tool that would ultimately take down the giant. And what I love about that is the fact that David could easily have become very very inward-focused, like, I am the best marksman in the whole world. He could have become arrogant like that. But instead, David was humble because he realized that something bigger was working inside of him. He realized that, that, this, that, that God had been working to prepare him for the future. It was in those moments of solitude where he was faithfully serving his, his father as a shepherd that God was sharpening him to prepare for the next battles. That's the complete opposite of Saul. I mean, look what Saul does. He, 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 he's convinced now from David's words, and he begins putting all this armor and, and strapping the sword to David, and he's like, hey, with this, you might, I guess, stand a chance. So, and then he uses one of those like, classic spiritual responses, like, go and the Lord be with you, and I think he's basically saying there, well, if you think you can do it, you can go ahead and be my guest. 
And Saul is, is thinking, when he's putting this armor on him and strapping him up, ready to go, he's thinking that that is what David needed to be successful. Saul thinks the path to victory is having the best weapons, the best armor. And I think, again, a lot of us are like that at times. We put so much faith in what we have, what has accomplished the tasks beforehand. We do that with money. We do that with our most up-to-date technology that will, it will always work, right? We see the things that others have, and we say, well, if I had that, I could definitely fight that bigger battle. And we trust in so many other things that we, we ultimately forget about trusting in God. And, we, you know, we forget that God had made us, each one of us in this room, God has made us for a very specific purpose and a specific reason. And that is why David's response should be so encouraging to us. He sees that none of the armor fits. He sees that it looks ridiculous on him, and he takes it off. David was comfortable in his own skin. He was comfortable because he knew that God had been shaping him and molding him and preparing him to accomplish these tasks in a way that is so unconventional. So he, he, picks, he, he takes this off. He picks up his slingshot, goes out, picks up these stones, and goes and faces the Philistine. And that leads us to David, this last person that I want to discuss here today. And I know we've mentioned David's faith throughout this story here today, but I want to highlight a few more important moments for David in this, in this story. Let's look at verses uh, 20 through 30 here. It says this, And David rose, this is him entering the battle here, And David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And when he came to the encampment as the hosts were going out to the battle line and shouting the war cry, and Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army, and David left the things in the charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with him, behold, the champion of the Philistine, Gath, uh, Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, came up to the, out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before, and David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and they were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you, not, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so it shall be to, done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, when he spoke to the men, when David spoke to the men, heard when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him, his brother, toward another, and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him as before. So we see David's entrance into this battle. We see his journey out to the Israelite army, and he, he was doing, this was about a 15-mile walk from Bethlehem to the Valley of Elah. He did this several times, as you would see in the text. And as David is walking down this dusty path, just, you know, probably thinking about delivering the bread and the food that he was going to be doing to his brothers, um, he, he's just going about his day, completing an errand and a task. But what he doesn't realize is that God is, is working in his life even then. Because where David might think that he's just delivering bread or delivering food, God is about to deliver a nation through David. He is about to use David to, to do amazing thing. And as David walks around the hills that surround the valley, he comes across the Israelites on one side, the Philistines on the other, who probably have the advantage because they're on a little bit higher ground to the west. But in the middle, he sees something that he had not seen before, which was this nine-foot-tall giant cursing the name of God. And so David runs up uh, to hear what the man is saying, and he finds out that Goliath has been doing this for about 40 days. 
But rather than be scared like the rest of the Israelites were, David is furious. He is furious. When he looks around and sees that no one is stopping Goliath, no one is standing up for God, he goes into this long rant. He, he calls Goliath this uncircumcised Philistine. And why is that important? Why, does, why is that uh, David saying that important? Well, David is reminding the Israelites of the promise the, the, the promise of circumcision, the sign that God is with them. This was part of the Israelites' everyday way of life. And so David is saying, remember who we serve. Remember, we are under this promise. We, are under, we serve this living God who promised to deliver us from the enemies that defy him. Why are we allowing this guy who is not part of that promise to walk all over us and defy God in such a way? And so David goes on this rant. He keeps going on this. Every person he sees, he's, he's given this, uh, this, 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 these words to. And his brother, Eliab, hears this. And he comes over. He's angry at David. He accuses David of being at the battle for selfish motives and accuses him of leaving the sheep in the wilderness. But how does David respond to his brother? You know, David could have corrected him and told him, hey, you go sit back down. I am doing what God has me to do. But how does he respond? Instead of correcting his brother and getting into a war of words, he draws his attention and his brother's attention back to what is happening with Goliath. He's basically saying, brother, why are we fighting when we have an enemy right in front of us? And I think that's sadly, again, what happens to a lot of us today. Satan loves to distract us and pit people in the same camp fighting against each other. Somebody on this side of the room, somebody on that side of the room, they're fighting. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters, we can't fight amongst each other. Instead of putting all of our effort into fighting each other, we need to fight the real sin that is in front of us. What if more of us responded in the same way that David did by faithfully following God and standing up to the sin of this world instead of being so engrossed with the little things that are in this world that distract us? I think a lot of lives would be changed. And let's continue with our story. Let's look at the moment that David meets Goliath face to face. We're going to be in verses 45 through 54, the rest of the story here. And after, this is after uh, Goliath first responds to David. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver, into my hand, deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with a sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand." When the, Philistines, uh, when the Philistine arose, arose and came to draw near David, David quickly ran towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck down the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran over, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and, and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled, and the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way, uh, on the way from Shammam as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistines, brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Now that was a lot. There's a lot of th stuff that just happened here. But when we begin this passage, we see that David is confidently speaking to Goliath. You know, we, this big man who, who is so confident, he's, he's not expecting this level of confidence from a little boy. 
And, and Goliath, his faith, like we talked about earlier, his faith is meaningless in the things that he places it in. And David knows that he will ultimately be the victor because he put his faith in what truly matters. And not only that, David will put an end to the Goliath and the rest of the Philistines. He doesn't want to take the Philistines as slaves. And Goliath hears this little boy, and he decides that it's time to die, that for the little boy to die, and he moves forward to battle. And instead of running like the Israelites, what does David do? He runs toward the battle. He runs toward Goliath, not for himself, not for Israel, but because he is fighting for God in this moment. And then something happens. He, picks, he takes out the sling, shoots Goliath in the head, and down goes the giant. Everybody is shocked. And then something, again, that we might not expect goes on in this story. David walks over to the giant, picks up the giant's big, long, broadsword, and cuts off his head. And our story, it, it took a pretty violent turn very quickly. And after hearing that, you might be a little bit taken aback or startled, and that's a good thing. I think everybody in the room should be startled at how violent this got. This is a little eighth grader doing this. And when we read this book, when we read the Bible, we come across at times some pretty terrible things, some pretty violent things, and a lot of times our first, our first instinct, especially during a family worship, is to overlook that. Right? I could easily have just said, oh, Goliath shot him, he fell down, he's dead. But why, why, why is this here? When we look at stories like this, when we see these violent things, rather than skipping over it, we need to ask ourselves this question, why is it included in Scripture? What is the point? And I think the point is this. We, we see it when David is, it, what, what David does and what he says here. He is making sure that there is no opportunity for anyone there, for the Israelites, for the Philistines, for those who would hear of the story in the area, for us reading it today, he is making sure that all of the people know that they are not to curse the name of the God and that they are not to question whose God won that day. He's pointing to Christ and God in all things and ultimately to Christ. And so when we look at this story today, we are understanding that David is faithfully removing the pinnacle of sin that the Israelites were dealing with at that time. And just like David does this then, I think it's a good example to what we are to do now. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3, 5 through 6. Paul says, put to, get, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, and covenant with, covetousness with his adultery. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Why do I read this? You see, David is putting to death the sin that is being committed against God. And I know that sounds aggressive, I know that sounds violent, but that is how we need to be with the Goliaths, the sins in our own life. We need to put them to death in our life. We need to wage war because those things are coming to destroy us. Sin and death, it will destroy us if we do not do something about it. And so we need to wage war against the sin in our own life. We can't just let it live because if, it let it, if we let the sin in our lives live and it festers, we, we are not people of God. That is the case. And so David's example here is to destroy that. And so what happens next? I, I think we see the example of David here as an eight-year-old or eighth-grade little boy because he stands over Goliath, and Goliath is so big that he's probably standing on Goliath here. And he's just he's looking over him. The Israelites see that, that this guy is dead. They recognize that God is able and willing to fight the battles for his faithful followers. They chase down the Philistine, rid the area of their presence. This is something that they weren't able to do for the past 40 plus days. And see, God's faithful servant, David, has won the day. And it's a beautiful thing. So as we draw to a, a close here today, I want to ask you one question. What does this mean for us today? What does this story mean for us today? I can stand up here all day. We can, we can talk about stories. We can have the kids come up, act them out. But we need to ask ourselves, 
What do they mean? When we read accounts like David and Goliath, how do we begin to apply this to our lives? And you see, this story is an interesting one. It's, it's one that I think our culture, specifically in America, is very well aware of. You hear those David and Goliath stories, the underdog defeating the expected victor. You see it in uh, sports, in movies, in music, politics, a bunch of other things. Many believers today even identify with David and, and take this text as a promise of victory when they face whatever problems they seem overwhelming at the time. But is that really how it works? Is this really how we are to look at this passage? Well, it's, to get an answer, I want to take a step back for a moment. And remember the, the story that I kind of told that was like from the New Evan version whenever I kind of went through the, uh, the anointing. Let's look back at that passage in Scripture. It's in 1 Samuel 16, the chapter before this. Listen to how David interacts here with Samuel. And so they came, when they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jump down to verse 12. And his father sent and brought David in. Now David was ready and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took out the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. When we, when we look at this, we see that Samuel here, he's thinking, oh, hey, this guy Eliab, he's the definition of a king. But in chapter 16, we learn that the measure of faith that, that we and God is measuring us by, it's not by the eyes, but by the heart. David's brother looked like a king. And that's why ultimately Saul was anointed as king, because he looked and fit that part. However, the Lord saw something that Samuel did not. He saw the heart of David. He saw this young boy's faith, and that is why David was chosen. So when we look at 1 Samuel 17, and, and we ask ourselves these questions of like, what, what does this mean for us? We see that God empowers David in every single moment he faced opposition. God empowered David because of David's faith in God's holiness. He granted him the ability to look past that intimidating figure on the battlefield and see and hear the blasphemous, blasphemous remarks that he was making against God. David's faith in God's wisdom, it granted him the ability and the courage to stand up to his critics and constantly, confidently go and face the giant. David's faith in God that he would claim the victory granted him the ability to do battle with Goliath and ultimately win. God took this small, weak shepherd boy that had no place to be on this battlefield. He took him and he used him to win this big victory. All because David was faithfully following after God's heart. So when I ask this question, what does this mean for us today? Well, when we recognize, we need to first recognize that we faith, face these Goliaths in our lives. Now, what are Goliaths? What are our Goliaths? It's sin and death. It's not that little petty problem that we face on a daily basis. We face sin and death. And we need to recognize that, that we can do nothing to overcome it. That sin and death will, will conquer us. Can I be frank with you all? Every single person in this room is ultimately destined for hell. Right? We are sinful beings. That's the plain and simple truth. And so how do we conquer this, this Goliath, this sin and this death that we all face? We recognize that we cannot do it alone. We are like the Israelites. We are unable to accomplish anything. We're so scared we're frozen in our place. But that's when the David of our life comes into the picture, right? David is this mirror of Jesus that would be to come in the New Testament. Jesus goes and he faces our Goliath for us. 
He, he faces, he stood against the giant in our path. He conquered sin. He conquered death. That's something we cannot do. And that's what we should celebrate as believers. Our giant has been conquered. But on the flip side of it, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you don't trust in God, if you, if you don't know who it is, let me tell you a very harsh reality. Your giant is still standing in front of you. He's still looking to conquer you. He is, and no matter how hard you try to avoid it or, or run away from it, he will eventually get, catch up to you and you will have to face him. And so I encourage you today, if you, if you don't know Jesus, take a moment, put your faith in Christ. And if you don't know what that means or if you want to have somebody help you walk through that, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the pastors or one of the elders that are here. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Don't wait. Because it's the most amazing thing you can ever experience. And so at the end of our story here today, we see that, that David ha has won the day. He faithfully followed the goal that God had for him, which was ultimately to defeat this Goliath. And a couple thousand years later, Jesus would do the same thing. And now as we sit here a couple thousand years later from that, let us faithfully follow after the heart of God in every moment of our life. Every single moment, placing our faith only on Christ. So let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this time, Lord, and all of the blessings that you have given us here today. I pray that you will uh, continue to walk with us each day. I pray that you are able, that we are able to be your bride, the church. That we would faithfully follow after you just as David did in all things. I pray that we are able to surrender our pride, our desires, and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus, continue to change us. Holy Spirit, renew our minds and our hearts each day that we will continue to strive after you and faithfully follow you just as this little eighth grade boy David did. Father, I also just want to lift up this offering to you that we are about to take. May we give not with the expectation of anything in return, but for no other motive than to glorify you, Lord Jesus, and build up your church. And so, Father, I, I, I ask these things and I pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the King of everything. Amen.